Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockerel. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And I think the last time we spoke was when the, the Super League was still a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, the podcast so, was over. <laughs> yeah, it was potentially the last ever episode of Cannon and Cockerel. Um, but we're back and since then... Spurs have lost the cup final and Arsenal have lost the first leg of their Europa League semi-final to Unai Emery's Villarreal. Um, but you did beat Newcastle, so every crowd. Um, and we beat <laughs> Sheffield United, so uh, swings and roundabouts. Uh, Jason, it's the second leg this week, I believe. Um, after what happened in the first leg, how do you rate Arsenal's chances of getting through to the Europa League final? I'm going to pause you there. We can't start this podcast with that. When you've lost the cup final that you were set up for Spurs with the manager who wins trophies, Jose wins trophies, to sack him a week before. To be fair, you put in a performance or maybe Man City were just in first gear. But I, 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 I'm taking control here, mate. Because <laughs> how long has it been? No, hold on. You won in 2008. 13 years without a trophy. One Champions League final, which you S-housed your way through to. Um, And then another League Cup final. Didn't ever look like winning it, really. Um, What was that? (laughs) You know, in in the whole grand history of Spurs, to sack the manager a week before... And, and you're back at square one. I mean, I don't mean to rub it in, but I do mean to rub it in. What's going on at Spurs? I mean, everyone said, well, if you win a trophy and get top four, that's a good season. It'll keep Kane and da da You're barely in, you're just about in contention to get top four. But I mean, what? So on the on the Jose thing, I it is annoying that, it's going to hang over us now forever, the sort of what could have been if you hadn't sacked Jose. But I genuinely don't think it would have been any different under Mourinho. I think if you look at our most recent match against City in the league, which was under Mourinho, where we lost 3-0 away at the Etihad, I feel like it would have been a very similar performance and result under Mourinho. But I appreciate, obviously, it is a bit strange and looks quite silly to bring in a manager solely to win you trophies and then to sack him the week of the cup final that, that he's got you to, albeit we, we did have a pretty, let's be honest, our run to this cup final was quite fortunate. We had a bye against Leighton Orient because of COVID. We then beat Frank Lampard's Chelsea on penalties and then we had two championship teams. So it wasn't like it was the most amazing run to the final, but when he's got you there and that's the reason why you brought him in, I, I get that it looks a bit strange to sack him, but I think, I mean, we'll get on to the, the league matches against Southampton and Sheffield United later. I know they're only Southampton and Sheffield United, but I think already those performances and results vindic- vindicate the reason to sack him, particularly when you see somebody like Bale playing and scoring. And it makes you wonder whether, you know, where we'd be in the top four conversation if we'd sacked him sooner. But yeah, that cup final performance, I can't defend it. It was pretty pathetic, not to even, I think we only had one shot on target. I think afterwards I saw the XG we had a 0.04 expected goals afterwards uh, and the 1-0 scoreline flattered us. And I think I'll admit I got carried away in the days leading up to the game with the whole Mason fairy tale and thought, oh, how incredible would it be if we did win it under Mason? And it had been such a crazy week with the Super League that we'd mentioned earlier and with the Mourinho sacking and Mason coming in. I just kind of thought 
Spurs winning uh, that cup final against City almost seemed like the natural conclusion to what a weird week it had been. And when you get to the 80th minute without conceding, despite how bad we'd been, you start to think, oh, maybe it'll be our day. But then to concede such a soft, sloppy goal from a set piece, scored from a player who arguably shouldn't have been on the pitch. I mean, not that it matters, because I said we didn't deserve anything from the game. And I said I said this to you afterwards on Messenger, that I was surprised by how much it hurt when that goal went in and when we lost. Because objectively, I couldn't have gone in with low, you know, despite what I just said about getting a bit carried away with the, the Mason angle. I couldn't have gone into that with lower expectations. If you look back at all the finals we've been in since 2008, that was the one I went into with the least expectations, but it's the one that hurt the most, even more than the Champions League final, because I think it's just that accumulation of, like you said, of the 13 years of not having won anything. To be, I mean, to be fair, if you look back at... So we've been in four cup finals since 08. So there's a League Cup final in 2009, which we lost to Man United on penalties, who, and Man United won the title that year. Then 2015, League Cup final, Mourinho's Chelsea won the title that year. 2019, Champions League final, Liverpool. They'd been in the Champions League final the season before. They won the title the next season, finished second on 90-something points. And in this season, Man City, who, you know, basically won the title already. So every time we've been in a cup final since 2008, we've come up against the best team in the country at that moment in time. It's not like when Arsenal had... Uh, a relegated Aston Villa in the FA Cup final or Hull in the FA Cup That's final. Um, so it's not like we've we've had easy cup final draws. But at the same time, to have not scored a single goal in any of those four matches, no. to have not laid a glove on the opponent at any point, like you I, you can still acknowledge that they were all tricky games, Absolutely. but still expect to to see a bit more. And Will teams find a way though? Well, that's the thing. And... and it's hard to, for me to, I hate the, the word, or at least I hate other fans using the word, but it, it was very Spursy, even though, you know, City could go and win the Champions League this year. They're arguably one of the best teams in the world. So to only lose 1-0 to them in a way is nothing to be that sort of disgraced about. But it's the fact that, yeah, we, we, we didn't threaten. And I thought under Mason, kind of with the handbrake off, I thought, well, at least we're going to go for it. We're not going to just sit back and defend. But inevitably that's what we ended up doing and we just couldn't get on the ball. And then onto the kind of the, the manager thing. I mean, it, yeah, obviously Nagelsmann going to Bayern Munich was inevitable as soon as that job became available. I never thought Brendan Rodgers would, would come to us because of he, he turned us down in the past. And I don't think he likes Daniel Levy. And to be honest, I can't blame him. Uh, although part of me still actually wouldn't be surprised if we did end up still getting Brendan Rodgers, although I know he's come out and publicly distanced himself from it, but I find it strange that despite that, he's still the bookies' favourites everywhere I look, which makes me think maybe there's something going on we don't know about. Um, But I think just the whole thing, we just look so... Because then there was all the rumours about Ten Hag and he signs a new contract with Ajax, and we just... We seem a little bit all over the place. And I think the fact that so much is up in the air with Kane's future, with what European competition we're going to be playing in next season it's kind of making it harder to then find a manager because I don't think at the moment any prospective manager really knows what they're getting themselves in for. You know, are we going to be in the Champions League? Are we going to be in the Europa League? Are we going to be in the UEFA Conference League? Are we going to be in no league? Are we going to have Kane? Are we not going to have Kane? Yeah. Is it going to be money to spend? Is it not going to be money to spend? You know, Even the, even the ownership and the chairman structure, I mean, that's up in the air after Super League. Well, exactly. Everything's up in the air. And, and to be honest, um, 
you know, as I said, okay, Sheffield United, Southampton, two good wins. And actually, strangely, I actually, despite my disappointment with the cup final and my frustration with the way the club's being run and all the uncertainty over who the manager's going to be in the long term, I actually feel quite optimistic going into the final few weeks of the season just because I do actually think, despite everything, looking at the fixtures, we are still in actually with a decent shout for the top four. I mean, our, our last four fixtures are Leeds, Wolves, Villa, and then Leicester on the final day. Leicester, I think, have got to play Chelsea, United, and Arsenal, maybe, and they've got their FA Cup final. Chelsea, obviously, have got the Champions League, and they're playing... Leicester, they're playing City. I think they're playing Arsenal as well. So the fixtures are open for us. And if we win our, you know, we probably won't win all of our remaining four fixtures, but they're all winnable games on paper. And if we do win them all, then I think based on the fixtures and who Leicester and Chelsea are playing, we could finish top four. And if we do somehow come to the end of the season, having qualified for the Champions League, and then it looks like Kane's going to stay, then all of a sudden it might be very different and we might be a much more appealing prospect for any prospective managers who are available and interested so I still think despite everything it could be quite an optimistic end to the season but at this moment in time I think there's a lot of uncertainty and frustration but I would say it's directed now more towards Levy and the ownership rather than towards the manager and the players the way it was maybe a few weeks ago despite the fact that we disappointed in the cup final again mm. I don't know if any of that uh Mate, I mean, I don't know what I, I guess from from your perspective, you're probably just thinking Spurs are a laughing stock. But I look at Arsenal and where you are in the table and and everything for you seems to be riding on Europa League. And it seems to me that if you don't get to that Europa League final, or you don't win that Europa League, then based on what's happening in the league table, I mean, you'll be even if we don't qualify for Europe, it seems like Arsenal, if they don't win that Europa League, are going to be in a far worse position than we are. I think I agree with that. I think I agree. It is literally all or nothing. <laughs> Maybe we need a little Amazon documentary on that. Um, funny enough, we're not that far off from those European spots. And I was saying, I really don't want that Europa Conference League, but I have this horrible feeling by trying not to win it or win the games in the league by putting out a poor team so we can focus on the Europa League. I think they'll perform better with the fixtures we've got and maybe get into those spaces. And that'll be as frustrating as, as you know, the fact that there are so many games now I can look at from this year and think, why? Just like, why did Pepe try and get sent off? Why did Chaka get sent off? Why didn't Arteta do this and that? Why was that VR decision? And you'd be in fourth by now, especially in this season. Um, so, so many regrets. And, and yeah, I can't bash Spurs too much because... We're not we're not exactly showering ourselves in glory with our performances this season. Um, truth is, you're above us. My mind, the gaps have back backfired as usual um, in, in modern history. Um, and as we've said a few times, for us, it's Europa or bust. I mean, yeah, I don't think I still don't think I'd like to be in Spurs' position only because I think the Mourinho has set you back big time. I mean, it felt like a it felt like worth the punt at the time. I think. But I was thinking he didn't even get a full season. I mean, I mean, I know that was the end of it. And I just think that you would have been better off bringing Rafa into the end of the season or something. It, it feels like a real cop-out to bring in. Like I would have thought you'd at least bring in Ledley King, who's been in and around the first team. It's just 
it just looks from the outside very odd looks like you kind of rolled over and died and that Southampton game game very lucky to get the win um in circumstances should have drawn and with all due respect it's Sheffield United who have nothing to play for they're the most championship looking Premier League team <laughs> since Derby and it doesn't make sense how they even pushed above their weight the year before um so yeah that's my view on Spurs I'm not I'm not gonna go too far into it because you know there's a few there's there's really one, potentially two more important games for Arsenal um, to get through this season before I can I can start um, singing anti-Spurs songs. Um, but yeah, I think I think I, I, I've derailed the podcast enough and 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 um, and given Spurs a little jab in the ribs. <laughs> but now I, I need to acknowledge the truth that since we last so since we last spoke, there was. I feel like there was another game. There was another game before. My, my, my memories, my memories going. It's all a blur of rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we played Everton, and we. Oh yeah, we lost. Oh yeah, it was the Leno own goal, wasn't it? Your favourite. Oh my god! I knew it was going to happen, Michael. I knew. As soon as he passed Shaka Richardson and he got in, I knew it was going in because he's an absolutely terrible goalkeeper. And you know, it's funny timing. I messaged a mate earlier, said I had a dream. I was trying to convince Emmy Martinez to sign a new contract at Arsenal. I swear. Last night I was, I was in like his bedroom, a bit weird, and <laughs> I was like looking around things. He wasn't there, and someone was in whispering my ear, like, convince him to stay. <laughs> I was like speaking in Unai Emery's voice. It was all a bit weird. Um, and I, I'm having, I've got a bit of uh, trauma actually from, <laughs> from, from the fact that we let the best goalkeeper in the league this year leave for next to nothing for the worst Arsenal keepers in Almunia. And now apparently he wants to leave. After all that faith that was given into him, he decides to have no to bring in no performances this year and decides to leave. And it's a massive problem now because Matt Ryan isn't up to the job, to be honest. He's, he's a token number two who was brought in because of how terrible the number three is, Runner Runnison, a name like that. <laughs> so we need to, you know, from thinking that, oh, we need a centre-back and we need a this and that, now I think a goalkeeper's number one. We're not going to be able to buy that Martinez now. I don't know where we're going to get a good goalkeeper from. A proper goalkeeper. I'm fed up at Arsenal. For years and years and years. Even when they brought in Petr Cech. Yes, they brought in a name. But they brought in someone who's a has-been. Go and spend the money. They're not expensive goalkeepers in the market. Like Liverpool did. Like City have. Like even Tottenham have. Go and sign a proper goalkeeper. It doesn't even matter if it's a Pope from Burnley. Do you think he... He would love to move down to London and, and work, play for Arsenal, I'm sure. Go and get someone who's good. Enough. Enough uh, wasting time. So, yeah, that Everton game, it was all on Leno. Yes, we, we didn't deserve to win, but, you know, you don't expect that from a keeper. Um, ignoring that, I'm going to stick with the Prem for now. The Newcastle game, again, it's frustrating because why are the reserves turning it on? You know, Newcastle were a terrible team, but they have something to be fighting for slightly. Um but it just showed again, you know, some of the young players like Martinelli, when you play them, they perform. 
But also it doubled down the fact that Willian is the worst player I've ever seen in an Arsenal shirt. Um, this seems to be a Bamiyang's level now. Um, and it was a good advertisement yesterday of terrible management from Arteta in the sense that you've got your biggest game in a decade for on Thursday and you play Shaka again at left back who's not a left back when you have other sub left backs in a game that doesn't matter and he almost got sent off and almost got injured and it's like what on earth are you doing what on earth are you doing why you know you've pretty much said that Martinelli's not going to start the big game now by playing him as well he nearly went there. He rested ESI, he rested Saka. You know. Why? It's just silly, weird decisions. And a lot of the old bloggers I follow with Arsenal were like, well, we all know what Willian can do. We don't need it anymore. Go and put out a youth player. Go and put in Balogun. Start with them. Start with them because there's nothing to play for and see what they can do. We don't need to see Willian anymore. We don't need to see him. We know he's rubbish. We know he won't bring anything. We know he won't score right now. Um, it's very frustrating in that sense. But yeah, let's go to the big... This is a real uh, monologue for me. Um, let's go to the big story of the week, and that was that 2-1 defeat. I mean, again, it was just classic Arsenal this year. Terrible performance. So lucky to get that goal. So lucky. Um, Would you say it was a dive for the penalty? I wouldn't say it's a dive, but I'd say it's soft, and in some cases it wouldn't be given. Um, good for Pepe for stepping up and scoring. He's been great. Honestly, this year, he's upped his game slightly, especially in the Europa League. There's legs in him. I thought he was, he, he was rubbish. I reckon, I reckon we're slowly getting to that point where we could recoup at least half of what we paid for him. And if we maybe if he stays next year and he starts getting a regular run of games and, and hits some form we might be seeing the potential that he has. Um, but again, it was just a couple of ridiculous um, selection issues. The back line was just pathetic. I just don't know what he's doing in that sense. And it, you know, defensively again, I mean, this is the biggest game. It's, they're, they're rubbish, let's be honest. Like, it's Unai Emery. You would have thought these players would know inside out exactly what he's going to do. And he has no style. And Villarreal are just like, they're nothing. We've got to be, you know, we've got to up our game. And it kind of sums up how we've played this whole season. It's just luck and picking little goals as we can and jamming our way to the final. It doesn't bode well for Arteta. If we get into the final, amazing. And if we win the final, I mean, how can I not celebrate and say I love you, Arteta, and the team? But longer term, it doesn't bode well because we've not performed this year. There is no style and there's no excuses. There's no excuses now to be not at least performing or showing some sort of identity. It doesn't matter if you lose. It doesn't matter if it's a bad season. But if you don't see anything that's worth clinging on to, and I haven't for a long time, apart from the young players, which seems to have been stumbled upon my luck, then he's got a problem, and and I I'm I'm you know I'm getting to that point now where it is kind of a make or break. If we lose on Thursday or win and get through to the final and lose, we've got nothing next season. I think you chop and chain, you get rid of the manager and you bring in someone who's going to bring back glory. But the other side of that, 
Is it what manager would want to come to that mess? It would be quite entertaining if, if both of our clubs were looking for a new manager this summer. Mm. True. And you look at the odds and who's available. I mean, the only big name, really, I would say, is Allegri. But I don't know where he's got he's gone missing. I mean, I don't know what he's been doing this year, past couple I, of years. I reckon he'll end up back at Juventus. Probably. Probably. Because I don't think Pirlo's got much legs after this year. And how they they uh, the, the title go to Inter didn't really compete for the Champions League. Um, I mean, there's no one, you know. Brendan Rodgers is, yeah. I mean, but but he is a bit of a nearly man. Let's be honest. He's, he 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 likes to bottle it. Um, be perfect for Tottenham then. Yeah, he'd love love Tottenham. But why would he leave Leicester if they were in the top four? He gets them Champions League, wins them an FA Cup, maybe. Maybe it's the perfect goodbye. I don't know. I just don't see it yet. Um, and then you've got all these road choices. You know, Graham Potter's coming up for both clubs. You, you've expressed interest. I can't be. I can't be asked, but <laughs> maybe, maybe it is good. I mean, to go from a young manager to another young manager, I just, I just want a bit of success and for us to be a bigger club again. Well, you, you mentioned Benitez earlier as, as kind mm-hmm. of a, we should have got him as an interim. You said, do you not think he could do a good job at Arsenal? I do. I do. I think with that experience and his his winning mentality, I don't know whether he's lost that charm slightly. You know, all the clubs he's been at recently in Newcastle and then going to China. I, I don't really know whether that's what we need anymore. Um, but something of that calibre, someone a bit more mature and can go in and knows how to manage a football club and how to improve players and how to win. Sorry, Arteta's not that guy. What do you think of... Um... Ralph Rangnick as someone who could come in and, and almost because for me looking at the names that have been linked to Spurs he's someone who appeals to me because he can come in and almost take and, and this is why I don't think it will happen but why I think it needs to happen could come in and take control of the footballing decisions away from Daniel Levy and Steve Hitchin and actually put in a, a scouting and recruitment process that finds the the superstars of the future just like he was doing at the Red Bull clubs and who can kind of lay down some sort of identity and structure which he can then pass over to younger up-and-coming managers to kind of succeed him just like he did uh, you know I think he managed he was director of football at Leipzig with Hasenhutl under him then in the interim between Hasenhutl and Nagelsmann he managed for a season then went back up to director of football Nagelsmann came in you know someone who can come in and give that structure mm-hmm. do you think that would appeal to Arsenal as much as it potentially appeals to, to Spurs fans? I think it wouldn't because it feels a bit vengery giving all the power to the manager. And I think they've done a big thing at Arsenal trying to change the structure so that the manager doesn't have all that power. Although then they promoted Arteta as coach to manager straight away really quickly and reduced that that power of that um, of that decision. That was why they were able to get rid of Emery so much because there was that detachment. Um, it sounds good in theory. I don't really get the hype. I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced the Rangnick hype and I don't know. It seems a bit vague to me. I just wonder like why hasn't he been managing top clubs if he was that great? It feels a bit like Bielsa. They say that all these guys are visionaries and amazing and I'm like, well, why has he not been managing the top, 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 top clubs and winning them the top, top, top trophies? But then maybe that's that's my ignorance of thinking the game's all about the top the league and not the actual football and the ideas um i i don't know i don't think there's a point of bringing in an ex-player right now 
I don't think there's a point of bringing in another young manager who hasn't got experience or, or track record. Um, you could go for that Pochettino effect of someone who looks, he's, he's kind of pushed above his weight and once he has the resources, he could do some damage. But I want instant results now. I want I wanted Ancelotti now. Someone comes in, can raise the profile of the club, can attract the big players, and can get us performing and get us results and get us back to where we belong. I remember saying to you, I wanted Emery to get us in top four, get rid of him, we have that baseline, and let's improve. I'm feeling the same now with Arteta, you know. Please, try and get us into the Champions League now through Europe uh, and that, get that uh, Europa League trophy, and then, and then pass it on. We've got us that baseline, but you, I don't think you're going to keep us there. And and we and we need, but then there is this point about long-term sustainability, and going for like a Jose, it shows it's not sustainable. You know, it either it crashes and burns eventually. Um, but I guess you look at it, there are not many clubs who do have that long-term success. I mean, you know, Liverpool and City have had a great run. Liverpool look like it's waning slightly, so. You know, maybe I just need to be happy and take what we can get. You know, FA Cup, Community Shield, and maybe Europa League. Um, our third semi-final in the Europa League in the past four years. We're definitely, we're definitely still at that kind of knocking on Champions League door again. I just want us to get over the line, and I, d- I don't know what happens. I, I my, my prediction is that Arteta will stay no matter what. He'll get that summer. He'll, he'll, he'll find a way to, you know. The, the club will position it as he needs to get rid of all the players he wants to get rid of in a proper summer. Not COVID's kind of going, so those market constraints will be gone. Bring in the team that he wants. He's now seen what everyone can do. And let's see. And if he starts the season badly, he'll be gone. I think the sensible thing is to, behind the scenes while everyone's busy at the Euros, go and find a proper strategy, go and get a proper manager in and start fresh and, and make it exciting because fans won't have it. You know, if we go in, if everyone's excited for the new season, we go in and we lose one nil to Newcastle at the Emirates. Um, first game of the season with Arteta. I mean, all those tickets, they haven't been selling the past year. I think it will go, it will almost go back to that. People won't have it anymore. Well, speaking of the fans, what did, what did you make of the, the protests outside the Emirates uh, <laughs> before and during the Everton game? And, and what do you make of this, uh, kind of takeover talk from the the Spotify guy, Daniel Ek, backed mm. up by some of the Invincibles. I mean, what, what do you make of that whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I'm very cynical in these things. I don't think they help. I just think it was, I think protests and COVID can be very dangerous. And especially when it's this kind of, I'm not sure what everyone's actually coming together for. I don't necessarily blame the owners haven't over the years because they've put the money where their mouth is. It's just bad decisions. It's more the board. It's more these these executives they brought in who just aren't up to the job. And Arteta doing pathetic decisions on the pitch and, and personnel selection. There's enough in that squad for to, to, to get to be up there, to be pushing for top four this year. Um, so I don't blame the owners. I understand the argument against them. Um but you can't say they haven't put the money in. Um, in terms of this Daniel X story, it, it feels opportunist, opportunist. It feels like a PR story. They are so rich, the Cronkies. They don't sell franchises. They're worth like double him and Cronkies, uh, 
Stan Kroenke's married to the heiress of Walmart. There's money in that family. It's their toy, their baby. And, and you know, it's all very sweet to bring in a few ex-players, but I don't think they've got the money to start, you know, making big decisions at Arsenal. And then probably one of them just wants to try and get the Arsenal job as manager by being involved. I, I, I don't think it will happen. I like the sentiment. But it does seem like changes happening across the footballing landscape. You know, these protests, they all end up in, in some sort of compromise after a while, I think. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what happened at United at Old Trafford yesterday, you know, fans aren't going to have it. We've shown with the Super League, they aren't happy, they're going to show it. And But then again, how many years of Newcastle protested Mike Ashley? You know, it's still going on and on and on. Spurs, you know, loved Levy, bashed Levy, still going on. Um I think it's I think it's it's much of a muchness. I think I'm more worried about what's going on on the pitch, what the management are doing, and who has the decisions over transfers. If it's Edu with his agent network, then then you can't have that because you can't be bringing in more Williams and uh, Cedrics and David Luiz's. Um, if it is the manager, then then you've got to judge him on the on the on those decisions. Do you think you you were maybe a bit too harsh on Unai Emery when you look back now? I mean, got you to the Europa League final, very close to finishing top four in the league. When you look at, when you've now had a full season of Arteta, okay, he might still knock Unai Emery out of the Europa League on Thursday night, could go on and win the Europa League. But when you see the league form since Emery left, you mm. know, do, do you maybe have a little bit more respect for the job that Emery did? Or, or do you still kind of feel like, you're still in the situation he he left you in to an extent. Yeah, I, I still think that he was the worst um, decision we could have made after Wenger. We, we basically went for the Spanish Moyes and the equivalent for United. And no, I mean, I mean, there was that great run at the start of the season that probably was the reason why we were in that good position. But our performances were rubbish. There was no identity at all for these one and a half years. And again, it was like a bit like Arteta. He just somehow found a way to get to that final. You know, he seems to be a specialist in Europa League. Don't know how he does it. Um, but no, there was no, there was clearly no communication behind the scenes. He, he was losing players. He was embarrassing himself with some of the the decisions he was making off on and off the pitch. Um, no, I don't feel any regret at how I how I um, treated the whole scenario and. No, I still wouldn't want him in charge, even if he was getting us in and amongst that 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 um, those areas. And I guess asking about your previous manager, I mean, in hindsight, it's easy to say you would have liked someone else, but is there something really you should have done before, Jose? As in, should we have hired someone instead of Mourinho? Yeah, I mean, do you think you could have got Nagelsmann at that point? Uh I feel like we wouldn't have got Nagelsmann. I feel like I remember reading that we did approach him, but that he didn't want to leave Leipzig mid-season. And I think that was only his first season at Leipzig. So I don't think he was going to leave that moment in time. But I feel like at the time, as you said earlier, it made sense as a as a gamble to think, well, look, OK, things ended badly at Chelsea and Man United, but very different clubs to, to Spurs. And maybe actually this will be a kind of weird... I mean, turned out to be a match made in hell, but, you know, it could be a match made in heaven in terms of he's got a point to prove. We need that sort of experienced winner's mentality. Maybe together we can do something. And and to be fair, it started off reasonably well uh, 
it is strange to think, yeah, as you said, he didn't actually have one full season at the club. And I'm sure he'll say that COVID and uh, the effect that had on the transfer market meant that he wasn't backed or he couldn't do what he wanted to do. But I think at the time it made some sort of sense. But yeah, in retrospect, you you look now and think, yeah, it it didn't work. And I think it, it revealed... I know a lot of people will say it reveals more about Spurs than it does about Mourinho, that we were the first club since uh, before he was at Porto where he hasn't won a trophy at. But I feel like it also revealed something about Mourinho in that it show, and it's actually influenced now my thinking when it comes to hiring the next manager because we saw with Mourinho that a big name with the big CV, you know, you were saying about how you want kind of a, a manager to come in who's going to be almost the guarantee of success. But I think Mourinho showed that these managers who've won stuff at big clubs, if, if they don't have the, the checkbook, if they can't sign the best players, if they haven't inherited the best players, they're not going to be able to make necessarily wave a magic wand and, and make them better. And I think now looking forward at the managers out there, I'm much more open to managers like Potter or Rangnick or even, I mean, hmm. Scott Parker to an extent, but it's coaches who have been at clubs where they don't have the best players necessarily or the, the biggest money to spend, but have improved, they've made those players better and they've made those teams play better football than they would have done otherwise. Cause I feel like that's more instructive then as to how they'll do at a club like Tottenham than someone like Allegri, for example, who, okay, he won all those trophies at Juventus, but that doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to be a good manager for Spurs or for Arsenal where, you know, in Italy he's, he's got what if Inter or AC Milan are having a good season one or two real competitors for the title versus coming to the Premier League where you've got United, you've got City, you've got Liverpool and you've got, you know, clubs like Leicester as well knocking on the door. So, yeah, I feel like Mourinho at the time made certain sense, but looking back wasn't the right fit in any respect in terms of how he views football, his man management, particularly coming off the back of someone like Pochettino, who is much more of a unifier where we know Mourinho kind of has that divide and conquer approach. Um so yeah, in hindsight, a mistake, but I, I don't necessarily hold that against Daniel Levy as much as other people do. Um, but I think now it should make us think very carefully and differently about who we go for next, because I'm not as excited about someone like Allegri or Benitez, for example, as you might be with Arsenal, because I kind of think if you've had someone like Mourinho, in a way you need to for me, that's shown the kind of the big names don't necessarily work. You need to go for, for something different. So I wouldn't be shocked or disappointed if we ended up with someone like a Graham Potter or a Scott Parker, because even though there's no comparison between what they've achieved so far in the game versus someone like Allegri or Benitez, I feel like they might be a better fit and do a better job than those managers would do, who I feel like, particularly Benitez, their best days are probably behind him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you use the... Um the phrase magic wand and there's not necessarily a magic wand that can just you know automatically make everything great and, and make you win and actually it ties in really nicely to something i wanted to try um so as you know i'm very into my uh, coaching and my psychology and there's something called the miracle question that we use in solution focused coaching and i wondered would you feel comfortable if i was to ask you the miracle question in relation to spurs uh, what is the miracle question? Oh, well, the miracle question is the following. It has a little scenario before. So let's imagine that while you're asleep tonight, a miracle happens and the Spurs problems 
they're completely solved. And of course, because you're still asleep and it's a miracle, you don't necessarily know this has happened. So when you wake up, what is the first thing that tells you the miracle has happened? What do you see or experience when you wake up that, that makes you realise that the Spurs problems have gone away? I'd probably wake up and see that there's a, a notification on my phone saying that, that Daniel Levy has uh, left Tottenham. Wow. Daniel Levy's left Tottenham. I mean, to be honest, I think he, uh, it, it always seems harsh pinning everything on one person, but I feel like we were just talking about the manager hunt and to an extent, in a way, I don't think it really matters who comes in as long as, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Levy and his, obviously in the wake of the Super League, but I think you look at his decision-making and this is why someone like Rangnick appeals. Levy, to be honest, in his 20 years in charge of the club, would have had, I think, 10 permanent managers, around 13 if you include the caretakers, only one trophy. And really, the more you think about it and look at it, the Pochettino years were the exception to the norm under Levy. And I really worry about who he'll pick as the next manager because I don't really trust him to make the right decisions when it comes to the football side of things. I don't think you can question what he's done for the club as a, as a business, as a brand, the infrastructure, the stadium, all the rest of it. But I feel like when you've been in charge for 20 years and gone through that many managers and had such little success in terms of material you know, trophies, I know in terms of Champions League and all the rest of it, but I feel like the club would be in a hugely better position overnight if that power was taken away from him. And he maybe, maybe not left Tottenham, but some director of football, someone else had come in to make those decisions because I feel like it's not where Levy's strengths lie. And I feel like that's been proven with the, even though I said at the time it made some sort of sense, it was still ultimately a mistake from Levy. And I feel like part of what might put managers off coming to Spurs is the fact that they know they're going to work for a chairman who has a record now of not really backing his managers in the transfer market and then sacking them the minute it goes wrong. Um, which, as I said, I feel is part of the, the reason for Rogers' sort of reluctance. So that, for me, would be the one thing that could make me feel a lot more optimistic about Spurs overnight. Interesting. I was thinking about it for myself just now, and, yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't go as far as any of the executives, although I would like to see the back of Edu based on his, um, his track record so far. And it's sad because, you know, he was invincible. He had, he had a great reputation, but it's really been ruined um, so far. I just think, uh, you know, waking up in the morning, seeing my Arsenal shirt hanging up, and having the Champions League badge on, on the <laughs> on the um, on the sleeve would be amazing. I mean, I mean, you've seen. I've got this like it's like a Champions League. I don't know what it's called. You know, when you get like they used to swap the players these like club crest things at, at um, the start of the game, and I have one of those of like Arsenal badge and the Champions League logo, and I've had it. I think I just bought it as like a filler when I was at the stadium, and and it, it's been a little bit embarrassing. It's uh, it's still in above the Europa League scarf I've got there, but I would like to I would like to feel proud. It's almost like you don't know what it's a bit like an ex girlfriend. Sometimes you don't realise what you've lost. And with the Champions League you took it for grant we took it for granted. And then we realised, oh that was a quality one. That was, you know, that I think that was the one. And I've just been bumming around with, you know, um the one that's not the one. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Family podcast here. Um, 
I, I thought of a speaking of like going back in time and and you know um, young love. Um, I think you must remember the game we used to play on the playground for a lot of us. Um, it, it, it's it's the lovely um, worded snog married avoid, and we're not going to go there because um, even though Arteta's hair is absolutely dashing, <laughs> but if we change it into sell, keep, and loan, now I brought up on my desktop, and I, w- I would encourage you to do the same. Um, the Arsenal squad, um, you know, the page where you've got all the goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, forwards. And I would love for you to go through and tell me in your squad, you know, who would you sell, keep and loan this summer? Because it sounds like for both of us, it's going to be a bit of an overhaul summer. So I'm I'm pulling up now, men's first team. So let's have a look at this. So, okay, I haven't got them all in order. Uh, Hugo Lloris, I'd keep one more year left on his contract after this but keep him Joe Hart he can go um, Alfie Whiteman's on here oh very nice the, the star of all or nothing he can stay we, we need him as an extra <laughs> Paolo Gazaniga I feel like sell him and then use the money to buy another goalkeeper who can kind of be there as a number two for a year under Lloris to kind of learn from to then ultimately take over from Lloris mm. Um, Doherty keep he's only just come here I'll give him another season Reguillon keep Alderweireld I feel like if you're going to sell him now's the time to do it get another young centre back in Hoiberg keep Sanchez I'd be open to selling wow. if, if we get a good enough bid for him and we've got a good other centre back lined up I feel like under a new manager he could do well but I'd I'd be open maybe alone maybe could maybe alone might do him some good son keep winks sell uh bail I'd sign on loan for another season I think we have an option for that uh Kane keep although maybe we need to have a little discussion about Kane I forgot we had an interesting discussion on on messenger about him uh Lamella sell Joe Roden keep Eric Dyer um Sell if we can get a good bid for him. Suzuko sell. Lacelso keep. Delhi keep. Bergvine keep. Aurier sell. Tanganga keep. Mora sell. Ndombele keep. Ben Davies sell. Cars finishes. Don't take up the loan option to buy. He can go. Danny Rose, I think his contract's running out anyway. Foyth, who played very well, I thought, mm, against you. Kind of made me want him back in a way, um, yeah. but maybe another loan. Sessegnon keep and put him in the first team next season. Same What's with happened to Sessegnon? Where's he gone? He's been at Hoffenheim. Ah, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard he's been doing okay. Yeah. I haven't watched any, but from what I've read, it sounds like he's doing quite well. And I feel like he could, maybe now he's got that year of experience, can come in and be a good option for next season. Oliver Skip has been like one of Norwich's best players in their title-winning championship campaign. So I'd definitely keep him. Jack Clark to send out on loan. Cameron Carter Vickers. Carter Vickers needs to go now. He's been on loan, I think, every season for the past <laughs> 10 years. Like, someone just needs to buy him. Yeah. Oof, we had a bigger squad than I thought, but that is the. A uh... lot of young players going in your thing. So it doesn't. I don't know if the Spurs pipeline is as good as it used to be. I mean, you brought in an amazing generation when, you know, um, when you brought, well, you bought Ali, but when you brought in him with Kane and. 
and you know Ben Davis was coming up and he was decent as well. It seems like it's gone a bit and Winks and, and Mason time. It seems they're all gone a bit pear shaped. It's funny on on this page, all of the, the players are pictured and they're they're all wearing this season's kit, apart from Danny Rose and <laughs> Oliver Skip, who are both wearing last season's shirt. Oh, poor marketing there, poor marketing. Martin. So what what would be the your key playing self for for Arsenal? Well, initially I was going to just say sell them all. <laughs> I don't care. Um, definitely sell Leno. Definitely sell Runnison. Definitely give Ryan back. So we have no goalkeepers in the team. That's great. Do you want Paolo Gazzaniga? Yeah, I'll take him. Take anyone at this rate. Bellerin has to go now. It's enough. He's just he's fallen grace. Tierney stays. Should be captain. Gabriel stays, but he should be a squad player. He's not good enough yet. Holding signed a new contract. He's not as good as I thought he was, but he's again a squad player. Cedric, just get rid. Chambers, get rid now. Mari, squad. David Louise, I think he's finished. Don't want to see him in an Arsenal shirt again. So again, we have like no defenders, basically. We have one good left back and the rest are rubbish. Um, Saka, of course, keep him. Ceballos. We never should have taken him back this year. I'm appalled how we've tried to like play him in big games and no more words need to be said. Odegaard, don't bother signing. Looks like a good player, but I think the money could be spent better elsewhere. Party, we'll keep him, but you tell you what, he's not met the expectations. El Nene, enough already. Smith Rowe, build a team around him. Shaka. Just get rid, finally. Like, you've got a chance. Like, he's doing all right. Just, just get 20 mil and just leave, like, enough. Like, we don't want him anymore. Lacazette sell for some money. He's getting older. We need to bring in the youth. Willian, you know my thoughts. Um, Obama Yang sell, but I don't think we'll be able to get money. Pepe keep for another year. Nelson sell. Nketiah sell. Martinelli keep. There's not many players here. I don't think I've barely got an 11 now. <laughs> Saliba, shove him in, see what he's like in the first few months. Otherwise, sell. Kalasnach, sell. Mavropanos, maybe keep him. I've heard he's been all right. Torreira with a new manager. I would keep him. I think he's good enough. Same as the Mate Niles. I think they're good enough to be in that squad. Joe Willock, probably sell now. Gunderzi, sell as well. So, quite frankly, it doesn't bode well. Um, but most importantly, I don't think you can sell them, but sell the manager. <laughs> sell the manager. Um bring in someone who, uh, you know, I, I always got this thing about Steve Round as well. You know, I'm sure he's a nice bloke, but you bring in the guy who was ex-Everton and with United with Moyes, and it's not a very good track record, is it? He's is he the one in... who's always got the AirPod in his ear? Yeah, he's like the... Um, is that him? I don't know if that's the, the medical guy. He's always in Arteta's ear. He's the Arteta whisperer, and it clearly <laughs> a good whisperer. And I wonder, I wonder whether... Because something happened. Do you remember last year... We had a bit of a style Arsenal going on. We were playing out the back and there was something going on and and everything just seems to change. I just wonder, Arteta just doesn't look like the same manager anymore. And I wonder whether it's something to do with Martinez, you know, getting rid of the only goalkeeper that works in your system. Um, Aubameyang's poor form, but but something changed. And it, it started well in the first game of the season against Fulham and then the and the Community Shield, but then it then it then it went to Tatters. I mean. So yeah, I mean both of our squads, there'll be major overhauls. I'm I'm surprised about Bale. I feel like it's a I don't know, I feel like it's a red herring. And yes, he's produced some good form, but it's like, really? 
You've gone back to that. Um, but yeah, as you said with Harry Kane, we did have an interesting conversation and you you had an amazing angle that no Spurs fans I know had really considered. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to pull up our messenger conversation and this was shortly after, maybe it was the day after the cup final. So I was still quite raw from the disappointment of that. But you asked me whether I think there's, if there's a way Kane leaves. And I said that to an extent, I didn't really care anymore in that if he stays, obviously it's great. But if he goes, then we, you know, he's going to leave at some point, whether it's by leaving or through retirement, which obviously is the dream of all Spurs fans that Kane will stay with us forever, become top scorer, win those trophies. But at some point we're going to be without him. And is it not better if we're going to be without him to have 150 plus million to rebuild the squad? Now, one, I don't think anybody's going to spend that much money for him this summer. And even if they did, as I said before with Daniel Levy, I don't trust us to spend that money wisely. But theoretically, if we had someone who knew what they were doing with recruitment, that would be quite a big opportunity to rebuild the squad that a lot of other clubs won't have the opportunity to do because they don't have as sellable an asset as Kane. Um so if selling Kane is is what it takes to rebuild the squad, then, you know, potentially so be it. I know he's far more instrumental to us and to our identity almost than Bale or Modric or Berbatov or Robbie Keane or any of these other players we sold ever were. But we did eventually recover and come back and, and get stronger from having sold all those players. And actually, I feel like the, that cup final against City is an example of why uh, unfortunately for him, because I think he does want to leave based on his body language lately, a club won't come in and buy him because that's the second time now in a couple of years that he has clearly been injured in a cup final and not played well. And I think the one thing that started to bother me was after the cup final, I saw all these kind of Spurs fans tweeting like, oh, Harry Kane, I'm so sorry. Harry Kane, we've let you down. And I was thinking, well, hang on a minute. He's clearly asked to play when he wasn't fully fit. And, who you know, I'm not, I never bought into the narrative that we could have won the Champions League final if Kane didn't start. But I'm like, he, you know, he has been part of this group of players that have consistently failed to get over the line. You know, he should be, him and all the other players should be the ones apologising to us, not the other way around. I think I've just got annoyed at this kind of way we're we're putting, you know, no one player should be bigger than the club. And the way we're kind of, being so apologetic, I, I kind of compared it in these messages to being like that kind of wounded person in an action film who tells the protagonist, you know, oh, go on without me, leave me, I, you know, I'm not worthy of you. And it's like, well, you know, hang on a minute. He he hasn't turned up in two finals now. And I know it's because of injuries, but maybe because of those injuries, he shouldn't have been playing in the first place. And no other club would, you know, I, if he'd been at Man City, he would have got his medal. He would have got his Carabao Cup medal. But he wouldn't have been playing in that match. He would have been on the bench like Aguero were and like uh, Gabriel Jesus was. So, you know, I still think he's the best striker in the world. I still think he should be player of the season. And I don't want him to go. But if he really wants to go and you get a huge offer for him, then at the end of the day, maybe you do have to say, well, look, fine. And, and you know, he goes and, you know, if he goes somewhere like City, He'll get his medals, but he won't play anywhere near as much. There's no other club in the world that would play him in a cup final when he's clearly not ready for it. <laughs> he might get his medals, but he will he won't be anywhere near as instrumental. He'll probably still score loads of goals, but you know he's not going to be that same influential figure. And that will be his his choice 
to deal with. I'm sure he won't mm-hmm. mind. Although maybe he will. He strikes me as someone who, who wants to play. And I feel like he wouldn't like the whole Pep roulette of being on the bench for, for crucial matches. But yeah, I don't know. That was kind of my, my thinking with Kane, where for the first time in the aftermath of that cup final, and maybe it was just a rash reaction to the cup final. As I say it now, I, I feel more uncomfortable with it. But it was the first time I became open to the idea of selling Kane if that's what he wants, even though I think it's not going to happen for yeah. the reasons that I laid out. But I just kind of feel like maybe it's more more the attitude of certain players that bothers me. Where I was like, well, you know, he he's part of this team as well. And that's two cup finals now where the whole story going into it was, Willie, won't you play? And did him playing in either of those games really help us? It reminds me a bit of Van Persie, when, you know, a great player, scoring goals, kind of club legend in his own right. But, you know, he went to win his trophy and his legacy was tarnished and he had no legacy at United, really. Um, it kind of feels similar, albeit maybe, you know, Kane is a bit lot more prolific than Van Persie was and, and more of a club legend. But that's, you know, levels as a club and, and history. Um but yeah, it'll be really interesting. And, you know, we're at the business end now. Four or five games to go, Matt. And and it's going to be interesting now to, to talk about every week that we go on now, there's going to be more to talk about. Because, you know, if we lose on Thursday night, we're finished. I mean, I've got nothing else to say, mate. I, I'm, it needs to be changed. And, and with Spurs, you know, if you bottle that Leeds game, Chelsea go on win those couple of games. I mean, you know... It's not as attractive as a proposition. So it's, yeah, it's it's a shame that it's the summer of a Euros. Um, not for us as football fans, but for us as fans of Arsenal and Spurs, because it's going to delay transfers, going to delay any managerial decisions, and the players are going to come back an iota off as well. So um, maybe this <laughs> this run of mediocrity in our club's history is going to continue. Maybe. I mean... I, one one other thing I wanted to get off my chest, and it relates to the running, because obviously we've got Leicester on the last day, which could end up being a, a top four playoff. I doubt it will be, because we probably will slip up against Leeds, like you said. But I would love it if we finished above Leicester on, on the final day, just because one thing that's really bothered me and I wanted to get off my chest is the whole Brendan Rodgers to, to Tottenham thing. I understand why he'd want to stay at Leicester and make that decision and, and why other you know neutrals would want him to stay at Leicester as well. But one thing I noticed that got on my nerves is that the whole kind of um, uh, narrative around this is why or why would Brendan Rodgers want to go from Leicester to Spurs? You know, why would he leave this exciting project to go to Tottenham? And I get that, even though Spurs are a bigger club than Leicester objectively. But when Pochettino was, do you remember when Mourinho was sacked by United mm. and Pochettino was being linked to the Man United job? Yeah. And we were kind of where Leicester are now and United are where, where we are now. There was a similar gap. But uh, maybe I'm kind of misremembering this or, or this is kind of Spurs goggles on. But I remember the tone of the coverage back then very much being almost kind of trying to push Poch into the job, telling him he had to go to United if he had any ambition. Why would he not go to United? Of course, he should go to United. It's the natural fit. Da, da, da. There was none of this. Oh, well, why would he leave this promising young project that's better in the table? You know, it seems like the the, the tone around it is completely flipped the other way and I don't get why there wasn't this kind of same revulsion to the idea of Rep- Poch going to United as though, as though there seems to be with Rogers going to Spurs. Reputation and resources. United have a relatively blank check and they've they've won all these things. It's just, it, For me it's as simple as that. But but surely the same would apply with 
Spurs, I mean, reputation and resources. I know Leicester are having a better season than us at the moment, even though, as I said, there's still a slim opportunity we finish above them. But And I know they won, won the title a few years back. But in terms of resources, I mean, you only have to look at the stadiums. I know Leicester have just built a fancy new training ground, but I doubt it'll be that much better than Tottenham's. I mean, Tottenham are still objectively revenue, resources, history, a bigger club than Leicester. And yeah. surely a manager like Brendan Rodgers would do you know, you think with that at his disposal, given what he's done with Leicester, he could get potentially Spurs, if he's as good as he thinks he is and everyone says he is, he could get Spurs back to where we were under Pochettino, if not better. I mean, as I said, I understand if I was in his shoes, I probably would stay at Leicester as well. But I just feel like, and like, I don't deny United being a big club than Spurs, but at the same time, we're a bigger club than Leicester. And I feel like if the whole, well, why leave? Because you've got a promising project thing applied now. I, I mean, it's kind of, redundant because Poch didn't end up at United anyway but I just kind of yeah it was just one thing that was bothering me about the the way the Rogers the Spurs rumors were being covered because it seemed such a different attitude to the the Poch to United even though they're very similar in many respects yeah I mean it feels a bit like the stability thing like you said earlier about you know why would they want to go to Spurs if they know they're probably going to be sacked and you know he's found that rhythm now um, Brendan Rodgers and in this market and lifestyle you know somewhere where he's he's basically seen as a god for for overachieving and bringing them back to this kind of amongst the elite um, past couple of years and and yeah I mean maybe it's as simple as that well maybe uh, we'll probably we'll probably uh, end up with if we do end up in the top four then Levy will probably use that as the excuse to to sign up Ryan Mason full-time well, and then you won't have to bother with a manager hunt over the summer. That'll be music to my ears and uh, and long live Mason. Long live Mason. <laughs>